hot or cold drink or favorite stuffed animal or blanket, whatever. Uh, and of course, happy Mother's Day to everyone who is observing that. We uh, have a lot to be, well, not everyone I realize, but most of us, many of us have a lot to be grateful for uh, with our mothers and those who have served as mothers in our lives. Good morning, Rajesh. Morning, Robin. Morning, Christine. Morning, Brian and Leanne. Morning, Shirley. Glad to have you with us today. Again, if you want everyone to see your uh, message, please have your uh, chat window set to all panelists and attendees. Good morning, Susan. Hey, Vincent, glad to have you with us. Morning, Jeff. Thank you, Lynn. Nurturers of all genders. Good, good uh, modification and extension of uh, my comment. Gets a thumbs up from Rajesh. Ah, we have a visitor from St. Louis Society. Welcome, Dave. In preparation for a move to DC area in July, August. Well, uh, St. Louis's loss will be Washington's gain. Be delighted to have you joining us here. Morning, Adam. I sent Adam and Adam and Shayla a message congratulating them on the wonderful slate that they pulled together for this year's board election at our membership meeting in June. Of course, there's still opportunity for people to nominate themselves to add their names to that ballot. Um, if you're a West member, uh, hopefully you've seen the emails about how to do that. Good morning, Trang. We'll be starting in just a few moments. We have any other visitors here for the first time, we would love to have you identify yourself. Um, but if you just want to linger in the shadows, that's okay too. Um, good morning, Joe. Good morning, Donna. Glad to have you with us. Morning, Karen. Oh, you're in Pennsylvania today. Okay. Oh, hope you're having a lovely day there. Morning, Laura. Laura T, one of our many, many Lauras at West. But each one, of course, a unique individual. Good morning, Ed. Glad to have you with us today. Oh, nice. I thought that might be the case. Karen is celebrating Mother's Day in person with her mother. Good morning, Julie. 
Great to have so many people with us today. Oh, and I will remind you that if you want to have a candle ready for our candle lighting, uh, this would also be a good time to get that nearby. Well, Lynn, maybe I maybe we're ready to get started. What do you think? Great. Thanks, Perry. Good morning, everyone. Opening words this morning are adapted from words by my friend and colleague, the Reverend Dr. Rebecca Savage, who's the senior minister of the UUs of Rockville. We light our candle as a beloved people, united in love and thirsting for restorative justice. May it melt away the tethers that uphold whiteness in our midst. May it spark in us a spirit of humility. May it ignite in us radical love that transforms our energy into purposeful action. Our candle is a candle of audacious hope. This candle shines as a light on our shared past, signaling our intention to listen deeply, reflect wisely, and move boldly toward our highest ideals. Good morning and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Lynn Cox, you can use they, them pronouns for me, and I'm the interim leader here. Today's platform is about grief leading to social change and about how this goes back to the earliest traditions of Mother's Day in the United States and how we continue this tradition by honoring the mothers who are working to end the deadliest forms of white supremacy. We begin today's platform with music from our guest, Melanie Damore. Good day, fam. One thing I know for sure is that a song can hold you up when there seems to be no ground beneath you. Through all of the great movements, when people did not know what else to do, they would throw their head back and sing and call out to be seen as a real human being. Songs are medicine and songs are food. And thank you for letting me share some of my songs with you today. Bless each and every one of your bones. Rise up, rise up, and take your place. Move to the head of the line, join the human race. No more. No Open your eyes, I open your eyes. You gotta write your as you're breathing. You gotta write to be free. And you gotta write to feed your children. And it helps them grow up strong. How can they face the future if they're hungry all day long? So rise up, rise up, and take your place. Move to the head of the line, join the human race. No more, no more denying, open your eyes and see. You gotta write your aspiration, you gotta write to be free. You gotta write to be angry at a system that has failed. To honor all its people, you gotta write to be heard, so rise up. Rise up, 
and take, take your, your place. Move to the head of the mind. Join the human race. Open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes You got a right to rise, you're breathing You got a right to be free And you got a right to be here, sister, brother, teach the family You got a seat here at the table Sit on down right next to me And rise up, rise up And take your place Move to the head of the line Join the human race No more denying Open your eyes and see You got a right, you got a right You got a right to be free You got a right, you got a right You got a right to be free You got a right to be free You got a right to be free That is definitely the way that to get things started this morning. Good morning again, and welcome once again to the Washington Ethical Society. My name is Perry Bider. You can use the he, him pronouns for me. I'm today's officiant. Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat, and you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas. You can do that at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. And you can also fill out a connection form. Maceo will put the link for that in the chat. We hope you'll also join us for the after the platform service for a chance to say hello. Uh, speaking of the chat, it will stay open through much of the platform service, but will close for the address itself and reopen thereafter. If you don't wanna see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. Uh, we also have closed captioning available, and you can turn that on or off as you prefer. Each week, a member of our community reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values in each other's voices. If you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash readSOP. This week, our reader is Joe Klein. Joe hosted some of the recent uh, gatherings for our pledge campaign. She's a member of the Stewardship Committee, the uh, Endowment Committee, the Global Connections Team, and she's now on the AEU Finance Committee. So thank you for all that you are doing, Joe, and thank you for reading today's Statement of Purpose. Thanks, Perry. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith in human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. Thank you, Joe. 
Now, if, if you have a candle with you at home, I invite you to light it now as I read our candle lighting words and I invite everyone to join with me on those. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week, we ring this chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today, I am particularly mindful of people in Montana, South Carolina, and Arkansas who will lose their enhanced unemployment benefits by the end of June because of decisions by their state governors to withdraw from federal assistance programs. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. Thank you, Perry. We continue with our centering time with a reading followed by a meditation about inherent worth. The reading is an excerpt from words by Kenny Wiley, who is a journalist with the Bryan College Station Eagle newspaper, formerly of the UU World Magazine. Wiley writes, through racism and posthumous victim blaming, through silence and bullets and indifference and vilification, Black people are being told that our lives do not matter or that they matter only conditionally. Black lives matter if, if we are educated, if we are respectful, if. And sometimes not even then do our lives matter. Wiley goes on to frame Unitarian Universalism with values that resonate in ethical culture. He uses the word faith where the people of West might say philosophy or tradition. Please listen to understand. He writes, guided by that enduring, unfulfilled promise of the belief in the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Ours is a faith that has said or worked to say to those who have been marginalized. You are a woman and your life matters. You are gay or lesbian and your life matters. You are transgender and your life matters. You are bisexual and your life matters. You have a disability and your life matters. You were not loved as a child and your life matters. You struggle with depression and your life matters. Right now we are being called by our ancestors, by our principals, by young black activists across the country to promote and affirm. You are young and black and your life matters. You stole something and your life matters. I have been taught to fear you and your life matters. The police are releasing your criminal record and your life matters. They are calling you a thug and your life matters. Our ancestors, principals, and fellow humans are calling on us to affirm with deeds and words, Black Lives Matter. So ends the reading. As we enter into a time of meditation, you may wish to close your eyes or soften your gaze. 
and notice your breathing. We know that breath is precious and that it has been taken too soon from some of our beloveds by violence, by health disparities, by white supremacy. And so we remember as we breathe and we commit to making breathing easier for those of us who are targeted by racism and other forms of oppression. And we keep breathing in resistance to the forces of death. So feel your breath refreshing your body. Feel your breath rejoining the air beyond you. Hold in your heart someone whose life mattered to you. Remember something you loved about them. Remember also something about them that irritated you or ignited your anxiety or got in your way. That's part of their wholeness. If you carry with you something they brought into the world, their values, their smile, their wisdom, their creative solution to a problem, hold that close. You may wish to put a hand on your heart or on your shoulder or on your other hand as you remember what you carry forward from your loved one. Breathe in and out. Their life mattered. Their memory matters still. And now hold in your heart someone who has been lost to violence or oppression. Maybe you knew them well. Maybe you heard their name on the news. Breathe in and out as you remember what you can of that person's life, of the hobbies they enjoyed, of the people who were important to them. Hold in loving kindness their family, the communities that mourned their passing, and the loved ones in your own life who saw a bit of themselves in the person who died. Breathe in and out as you focus on loving kindness. Their life mattered. Now hold in your heart a young person of your acquaintance who is vibrant and precious and loved and who might someday be in danger due to marginalization. I'm especially thinking of children and youth who are still alive, though if your mind is drawn to one who is gone, we are with you in your grief. This young person may be in your family or maybe a neighbor or a child in this community or the grandchild your friend is always talking about. Breathe in and out as you remember the joy this child brings to their loved ones. Remember what you can of what is important to this young person right now. Hold them in loving kindness, knowing they will always be worthy and deserving of love. Their life matters. Mindfulness and loving kindness cut through the illusions of oppression. May we awaken and stay awake to the worth of every person, most especially those whose lives are threatened by white supremacy. We continue our meditation in silence and in the music that follows.
Somebody's baby just killed someone else's baby, leaving somebody's baby crying. Close your sweet eyes, rock a bye, baby child. Rock a bye, baby child. Close your sweet eyes, rock a bye, baby child. Rock a bye, Close your sweet eyes, rock a grateful to Melanie Damore for speaking today, or for singing today. A long time ago, before Mother's Day was an opportunity to sell flowers or greeting cards, Julia Ward Howe organized Mother's Peace Day. This was in 1870, and we might guess that she was influenced by the carnage and the disease that had been rampant during the Civil War, 
Though it's also true that Howe was specific about seeking peace between different countries. And, that, and it's also true that she was an ardent abolitionist who wrote the battle hymn of the Republic. In any case, Julia Ward Howe saw how the image and skills of motherhood could be turned against cycles of violence. This was the height of the Victorian era, and so there were definitely strong opinions about where women and mothers belonged, and it was not in the public square or in the halls of diplomacy. Julia Ward Howe turned this stereotype on its head. I'm gonna read what she wrote, acknowledging that it leans heavily on a gender binary. This is the proclamation she wrote. Arise all women who have hearts, whether your baptism be that of water or of tears. Say firmly, we will not have great questions decided by irrelevant agencies. Our husbands shall not come to us reeking with carnage for caresses and applause. Our sons shall not be taken from us to unlearn all that we have been able to teach them of charity, mercy, and patience. We women of one country will be too tender of those of another country to allow our sons to be trained to injure theirs. From the bosom of the devastated earth, a voice goes up with our own. It says, disarm, disarm. The sword is not the balance of justice. Blood does not wipe out dishonor, nor violence indicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left of home for a great and earnest day of counsel. Let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them then solemnly take counsel with each other as to the means whereby the great human family can live in peace, each learning after his own time, the sacred impress not of Caesar, but of God. In the name of womanhood and humanity, I earnestly ask that a general Congress of women without limit of nationality may be appointed and held at some place deemed most convenient and at the earliest period consistent with its objects to promote the alliance of the different nationalities, the amicable settlement of international questions, the great and general interests of peace. Over 150 years later, there are some things about this proclamation that remain relevant and some that are not. It remains relevant that caregiving is an opportunity for solidarity and empathy with other caregivers. I hear in Howe's charge to empathy a similarity to something Hillary Clinton has said, there is no such thing as other people's children. It remains true that agencies with no accountability decide great questions and that committing violence does not achieve justice. People who love their children still want to stop the killing. On the other hand, the 1870 proclamation is aimed at a mainly Protestant Christian audience, and that definitely doesn't feel, to our, uh, feel true to our experience now. It assumes that parents are of opposite binary genders and are married, and implies there is one particular way to be a mother. In our time, there are opportunities for people who are not men to be involved in politics, and though there are still significant obstacles to equity, we can conclude that gender inclusivity is not the only necessary ingredient for peace. The narrative about state-sponsored violence has expanded as well. 
In the 19th century, state-sponsored violence was often framed as war, even when it was enacted as atrocities against vulnerable or colonized populations. In our time, the state reaction to protests that channel grief into movements for liberation look a bit like war. When people raise their voices against murder by police or by racist vigilantes, escalation by police with tear gas and armored vehicles, the misuse of so-called rubber bullets is not uncommon. Many of the people at the forefront of movements to resist state-sponsored violence are mothers and caregivers. With that in mind, we can reach back to Julia Ward Howe's version of Mother's Day for inspiration as we contend with the grief and rage over the lives stolen by police violence and other deadly forms of white supremacy. In the 1870 proclamation, the stereotype of parenthood being a private and personal concern was turned inside out, urging listeners to join together to honor their shared grief, to find solidarity and strength in abandoning their daily tasks so they could organize for change. The words suggest that we leave all that may be left of home, not as a rejection of caregiving, but as part of caregiving. Raising the next generation includes demonstrating and teaching the values of community and peace, of being curious and empathetic, toward the people we have been taught to fear. Creating homes and communities and countries where young people can grow and thrive and reach their fullest potential includes public witness, as well as all of the personal relationship building that people do in healthy families. And this has remained true from generation to generation. Channeling a mother's grief into a movement for change did not skip from 1870 to 1999. One example is Mamie Till Mobley, the mother of Emmett Till, whose decisions about how to grieve for her son in 1955 had a deep impact on the civil rights movement of the mid 20th century. She did not hide her grief privately, nor did she hide what happened to her son but chose an open casket for his funeral so all could see the effects of lynching. After his death, she went on a tour sponsored by the NAACP. And after that, she kept speaking about Emmett's death, both giving her a way to process it and helping people rally against lynching. Declaring human worth is not an intellectual exercise. Personal stories change hearts and help people find each other. Letting grief and rage that comes from injustice be public validates the grief and rage of others who have had similar experiences. Love that outlasts death is a witness to human worth. The grief held by parents of all genders who are not mothers and by children and by community members and by teachers and mentors and friends is also important. I'm not saying that one kind of grief is the most valid. Without minimizing those experiences, it is worth noting the times when a mother's grief has moved people to action and the times when a grieving mother has found new purpose in organizing for change or in telling the story of their child who died. Dante Wright was on the phone with his mother when he was pulled over by the police who killed him, already frightened that he would be murdered. 
and that detail made his death personal to many people. George Floyd called out to his late mother in the moments before his death. Kadia Tu Diallo, mother of Amadou Diallo said, when George Floyd called his mama, all of the mothers were summoned to push forward and make things happen. Our strength, our strength is to really push forward the change we need because we're not going to give up. People do not have to suffer grief or try to change the world alone. Common ground between grieving families helps us to see that direct murder by police is only one deadly manifestation of white supremacy. Throughout American history, from slave patrols to the backlash against reconstruction to attacks against mid 20th century civil rights activists, violence that serves the status quo comes from several sources with a common root. Trayvon Martin was murdered by a vigilante. Jordan Davis was killed in an argument with a white man. Yet we know that these deaths arose from the same disregard for black life that killed Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Sandra Bland, and Breonna Taylor. All of them had inherent worth. All of them deserved to live. And all of their stories should move those who have a passion for human dignity to action. What does it mean to be the mother of a murdered child? Lucy McBath is now a US Congresswoman. And before that, after the death of her son in 2012, she was a mother of the movement, part of a group of grieving mothers working to end racist violence. Members of that group spoke at the 2016 Democratic National Convention. And here's what Lucy McBath said. You don't stop being a parent when your child dies. I am still Jordan Davis's mother. His life ended the day he was shot and killed for playing loud music, but my job has, as his mother didn't. I still wake up every day thinking about how to parent him, how to protect him and his legacy, how to ensure his death doesn't overshadow his life. Here's what you don't know about my son. When Jordan was little, he wouldn't eat a popsicle unless he had enough to bring out to his friends. He loved practical jokes. He liked having deep conversations about our love for God and why he allows suffering and pain. I lived in fear my son would die like this. I even warned him that because he was a young black man, he would meet people who didn't value his life. That is a conversation no parent should ever have to have. What Lucy McBath found was similar to what Mamie Till Mobley found. Parenting goes on, but in a different form. It might go on in becoming the steward of memory, reminding everyone that this was a life that had value beyond the fact of death. It can go on in caring for the future of the community through advocating for change. Gwen Carr, mother of Eric Garner, worked to get a ban on chokeholds passed in New York. Tamika Palmer, mother of Breonna Taylor, is working to ban no-knock warrants though she's also critical of activists who use the stories of families like hers to organize, but don't care for the families themselves. I'm not saying these are the only ways to process and find meaning after loss, but these are some of the ways. Love keeps going. We also have to ask ourselves what it means to be a parent living with living children in this atmosphere. 
that answer is going to be different depending on who we are and who our children are. Among us are parents who are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And among us are white parents of children who are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And among us are white parents of white children. And among us are mentors and teachers and cousins and aunts and uncles who share in caregiving but don't usually have the title of parent. When the kids we're raising are neurodiverse or disabled, or when our kids are transgender or gay or lesbian or bisexual, or when their first language isn't English, that adds more dimensions of danger. There are yet more roles and factors I have not named. We all have nurturing power to make the world safer and invite our children to become resilient change makers. What that looks like is going to vary. And I want to acknowledge that my own perspective is going to be limited. No matter how much I love my friends and family who are Black, Indigenous, and or people of color, no matter how much I listen or educate myself, no matter how many classes or protests or meetings I go to, I can never really know what it's like to be targeted for violence or oppression based on my race. Racism is a cancer for our whole society, and it concerns all of us to dismantle it. And I'm going to mess up sometimes as I try to do my part. I will keep trying. Even in my limited perspective, I can see there is a lot to worry about when raising children of color. There is a corrosive impact on mental health and family life to being targeted, surveilled, and over-policed. Every parenting decision is high stakes. Self-care and community care for parents is always important and is even more urgent when the adults themselves are members of marginalized communities. For the parents of kids of color among us, I'm going to assume you are already doing everything you can to keep your kids safe and happy. I can see there is also joy and pride and strength in families of color. Part of the job of families is to be safe places to learn pride and love and heritage. And that should also be the job of communities like this one. People can be resilient, but they shouldn't have to be resilient against racist violence. For those of us who are white people raising white children, it is incumbent upon us to teach our children about racism. They should know that the same behavior that might be read as kids being kids in them will come off very differently for their friends of color and they should avoid getting their friends in trouble. All kids, including white kids, should be reading literature by diverse authors, should see protagonists of color in ways that are at least as sympathetic and heroic as white protagonists. They should see examples of leadership and responsibility in their local communities by people of color. All children should know and see the adults in their lives demonstrating that Black lives matter. My colleague Indara Miles, who works on the lifelong learning staff team here at West, has offered resources in the past on being an anti-racist parent. Check out her past communication in the Facebook parent group and in the Soulful Home newsletter. Beyond the care for the children in our immediate surroundings, there is yet more to do with our nurturing power in response to the legitimate grief and rage arising from the deadliness of white supremacy. As a community, we can take time to honor black life, not just respond to death. We can make real and concrete our commitment to the inherent worth of every person, 
demanding fair treatment and dignity for all people, no matter what. We can invest in youth and communities through projects such as the Free Minds Book Club, which is our Share the Plate partner this month, and Life Pieces to Masterpieces. That's another mentoring program who will be our Share the Plate partner next month. And the Trey Run Center run by our friend Ryan Nickens, who has spoken at West frequently. As we hear stories in the community and on the news, we need to constantly remember that there is a bias against inherent worth. Remember that there are no perfect victims and that even people who have made bad choices or been forced into bad situations deserve dignity, basic rights, due process, and their lives. Remember that systemic pressures lead to more violence. And so the foster care system, the family regulation system, and the options for substance recovery all need to be examined through a lens of love and human worth. In our coalition building and organizing and direct action, I know some among us are responding to collective grief by calling to abolish the police. And some of us want to eliminate police violence and vigilante violence and are still hoping to accomplish that with reform or reimagining policing. I hope we can agree that we have as a nation overinvested in violence, weapons, prisons, and punitive solutions. And we have underinvested in the health and well being of our people. Intermediate measures might be harm reduction on the way to abolition, or they might be policies toward a goal of reform. Either way, we can end cash bail, stop mandatory minimums and death by incarceration, lobby for citizen controlled police review boards and demand civil rights investigations into patterns and practices of discriminatory policing. Prison industrial complex abolitionist Ruth Wilson Gilmore says that abolition is a presence, not an absence. In addition to making prisons and policing disappear, we can work on developing what we need for all of us to live. We do not have to wait for complete consensus before we begin building the skills and the communities we need to live in a world without policing. I have spoken before about mutual aid, which removes government control from neighbors helping each other survive. We can help support community-based healthcare. We can work on reparations and on conflict resolution processes based on restorative justice. We can learn de-escalation skills to reduce the instances when police get called. Through all of this, staying in relationship with communities led by the people who are most impacted will help us stay on the right track. We'll want to commit to a long-term strategy as we work with our community partners. Gwen Carr, the mother of Eric Garner said that when we, that we have to sustain our action for a long time. And she said, are you in a moment or a movement? If you are in a moment, a moment, you know what a moment is, spontaneous. We get mad, we get out, we march, we scream, we holler, and then we go back to our regular lives. That's a moment. A movement is strategic. After the mo moment is over, we continue, we continue with what's next. And Carr went on to say, all of the marching, the screaming, all of that is not going to get justice. The marching is to get attention that there is a problem. We have to go to our legislatures, our lawmakers, and then when they tell us that they're going to do what it is we've asked them to do, we must hold their feet to the fire. Carr lays out an important strategy here that makes room for public witness, but doesn't stop there. Protest is important and protest has to connect 
with creating community, with building power, with moving hearts and minds, with changing the narrative, and with making a concrete difference on the issues. We all have our favorite methods and our own set of skills, but I will ask that any public witness we do it as a West community be connected with organizational partners, accountability with the people who are most impacted, and a way to transform the attention and energy into a next step. Whatever our individual relationship with parenting, we can turn our nurturing power as a community toward the forces that create and uphold life. Let us cultivate experiences when we can be connected by whatever means that are accessible. Let us create joy and share memories and heritage, practice resilience and reflect on our values. Grief can help us find each other and our common humanity. Grief can fuel movements for change and for the long road ahead of us of sustained and strategic action, we will also need to be fueled by other things. After the despair, let us keep moving toward hope. May it be so. After some music, we'll have community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help to spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. If you like, you can focus your sharing on this question. What motivates and strengthens you to continue the work? As we contemplate, rest, and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. Put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. Put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. You're not alone. You're not alone. Don't you give up, don't you give up, keep moving on, keep moving on. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. One foot in front of the other and lead with love. You gotta put one foot in front of the other and lead with love. One foot in front of the other and lead with love. Lift up your eyes. Don't you despair. Don't you despair. Look up ahead. Look up ahead. The path is there. The path is there. You gotta put one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. One foot and lead with love. You gotta put one foot in front of the other. One foot and lead with love. One foot and lead with love. 
you gotta put one foot in front of one the other, one foot in front of the other one, one foot in front of the other one, foot and lead with love, and lead with love, and lead with love, and lead with love. Wow, it's great to hear that by the original artist. And thank you, Lynn, for a very moving platform you've given us much to think about and to act about, act on. This is the time when we add our voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. <clears throat> Excuse me. You may consider the framing question, what motivates and strengthens you to continue the work? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat. I will try and keep up with as many comments as I can. Uh, the Facebook comments is another venue for you to weigh in. So some uh, appreciations of the song. Yep, that is a terrific one. And again, if you want everyone to see your uh, Zoom chat comment, uh, please have your browser set to, or the window set to all panelists and attendees. Wayne and Johnny commented sad and true to the meditation music. Would you folks like to elaborate? Sue Jacobson also loves the music. A note from Maceo with a link on ending cash bail. That is truly an injustice in our criminal justice system. And there are, I believe, um, efforts underway in many jurisdictions to reform and or eliminate it. Peter Bishop writes, here at Wes, I have some hope that everyone thinks that one area in which they wish to do some work is related to bringing us closer to the beloved community, but each of us has other areas of work that we need to do as well. Yeah, that's that's um, one consequence of being a diverse community. The Ethical Manifold needs all of our contributions in various ways. Laura Tyler, one question, trust me, that you do not want to know the answer to is, 
What does it feel like to be the mother of a murdered child? It is a tough membership of which I am a member. Oh my goodness, I did not know that, Laura. The question, difficult words to hear, but here put bluntly, a complicated question to answer. I can, <laughs> I was starting to say I can only imagine, but I don't think I, I'm not sure that my imagination is capable of that. My deep condolences. Sonia Cooper's, wow, Laura, you're right that I cannot imagine, but my heart goes out to you. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, perhaps it's time for us to move on. Just as we share our perspectives in this community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to the group that Lynn mentioned the Free Minds Book Club and Writing Workshop. That group, Free Minds Book Club and Writing Workshop, uses the literary arts, workforce development, and violence prevention to connect incarcerated and formerly incarcerated youth and adults to their voices, their purpose, and the wider community. Free Minds invites all who are interested to their May 26th Virtual Write Night. This event will include guest speakers from the Free Minds Poet Ambassadors and a chance to respond, read and respond to the poems using an app called Miro. You can find more information about that event at freemindsbookclub.org. On the slide, you will see the number to give by text for today's collection, which is 202-335-1885. And you can also make a gift online at the website through the donate button at ethicalsociety.org. We will now receive your gifts and the gift of music from the Love Led Choir. As for me and my house, you'll find us serving peace. As for me and my house, you'll find us serving peace. As for me and my house, you'll find us serving peace.
has for me. In my house you'll find us serving truth. You will find us serving truth. As for me, in my house you will find us right now. Thank you so much to the many people who helped create this morning's time together. Interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, guest musicians, Melanie Damore, and the Love Led Choir. Membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artists John and Abby Dakin and tech host Sonia Cooper. And thanks to Robin Kravitz for communication support, including hosting our virtual coffee hour. Speaking of which, please join us for that at the conclusion of the platform. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups, which you're welcome to drift in and out of to greet different people. To get there after closing words, point your browser to tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. As always, this week has a variety of opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually around shared interests and in support meetings and discussion groups, starting right this afternoon with the biology reading group meeting today at one o'clock. You can find the details for all of our events on the website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. Looking further ahead, here are a few upcoming events to be aware of. On Saturday, May 22nd, from 10 to noon, 10 a.m. to noon, the transition team will host a collaborative timeline event. This will be a chance to lift up what resonates with us, challenges us, puzzles us, and excites us about West history. And please save the date for our spring membership meeting on June 6th after platform. A more detailed agenda will be forthcoming. Now, next week's platform, May 16th, will be at a special time so that we can join together with other ethical societies from around the country. Please tune in at 11 a.m. for a platform by YES, which in this case is not the rock band, but the Youth of Ethical Societies. Finally, thank you for being here with us. Now let's enjoy together our closing song of the month, Lead the Way.
Now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding and commitment, listening for and living into our shared story for our hearts and for our quest for a better world. Again, please join us for virtual coffee hour. You can find the link on the slide or in the chat, and that's tiny.cc slash westcoffeehour. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. Look forward to seeing you folks virtually at the coffee hour and next Sunday at the All Societies platform. And in the meantime, I hope you have a lovely week. Thanks for joining us today. Again, happy Mother's Day to all who are observing that in whatever fashion.